wicked, wicked fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags and the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. September 11th, 2001. A day we will never forget. If you're hearing my voice, you probably remember where you were on that day and when it happened. In Saginaw, Michigan, a city plagued with gang violence. Officer Joaquin Guerrero sensed God's call to work the dangerous night streets with his canine partner, a 90-pound German Shepherd police dog named Rookie. On 9-11, Guerrero and Rookie responded to Ground Zero to help in the search efforts. For seven long days, the pair worked the pile with a never-give-up spirit. Since then, with Rookie as his mascot, Guerrero has created the Precinct 131 an educational program to keep kids from turning to gangs. Today we reflect on 9-11. Please welcome my guest and my new friend to the Unscripted Podcast, Mr. Joaquin Guerrero. Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. My name is Corby LaCroix, and the song you're hearing right now is called Great and Mighty One, available on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your music. But for now, recording from the unscripted studio at the junction in Old Hilliard, here's your host and my friend, Aaron Conrad. All right, everybody, welcome to Unscripted from my studios at the junction in Old Hilliard. Corby, thank you for the introduction on my audio. As always, what a day today. Um, today is a day that... Uh, I think if if uh, if you were anywhere after 2001, you remember right where you were. Um, you remember what happened. You remember all of it. And so today, I wanted to really honor all of those uh, who were affected. Uh, we were all affected, but I think the 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 ones that served, uh, the families that lost loved ones, um, September 11th should still, and I hope always means something to all of us. So let me go ahead and introduce my guest, Joaquin, please introduce yourself and we will go from there. Okay. Uh, my name is, my name is Joaquin Guerrero. You can probably see my partner here. This is a little cheap. <laughs> He's my, my, the latest, well, not latest, second, the latest dog, you know, a dog named Storm, but he's, uh, he's eight month old and He's he's too wild. He'd be knocking everything all over with these two in here. So I brought Chief, and he's more calm. He's he's the movie dog. He's the movie star dog right here. There you go, there you go. Tell us a little bit about you. Um, I was born and raised in Saginaw, Michigan. Um, I you know I went to the elementary schools. I started at Westdale, and from there I went to the parochial school, St. Peter Paul, then went to Mackinac Middle, and then I just kind of graduated from Dwight Dewey Eisenhower with your buddy Kurt there. So 
There we go. So, so we got to give a shout out to Kurt Harding, our, our buddy, yeah. Kurt Harding yeah. out of Nashville, who's been on the show. Uh, and he's just friend of show, but he's also just an awesome human being. So yeah. got to give a Kurt, shout out to Kurt. Thank you for arranging this for us um, today. You know, it's special. Um, and I know you're real busy. There's a lot of people pulling on you and, and making requests to you because you were involved after 9-11. You went. Uh, so why don't you just let's start at the beginning because you and, and your dog, Rookie, first of all, you have a book, Michigan and Rookie, that right. we want to make sure we have Michigan. all the links up for. So let's let's talk about Rookie first, and then let's go into maybe 9-11 in a minute. But but you you made a decision to work in a place that was not exactly safe, even before 9-11. Is that, am I saying that correctly? And can you tell us a little bit about that story? Um, I started working, well, as, as my career is, you know, you go to school, you go to college, um, after you graduate out of college, I, I started going, I went into the directly right in the field of law enforcement. Actually, it was a competition between who was going to get me or what I put in to go into the military. And I think it's the prayers of a righteous woman. My mom, she was praying. She didn't want me to go. My dad military that. But what ended up happening is they lost my paperwork. And I got, I had already gotten into the academy and I just got done with the academy and the military calls me and says, hey, we want you. We found your paperwork. I guess, well, if you lost my paperwork, you're going to lose me. I'm already got a job. And I'm like, well, we can, you know, they'll tell you, well, we can go. We can put you in the military, too. I said, no, I'm already committed to a job that I have to do. And that was working for the Saginaw City Police Department. And from divine there, intervention, I just like everything. divine intervention, right? Say that again. Did, I think that's divine yeah. intervention, because I, as I understand the story, you, you felt a call to work the nights. Is that correct? With with rookie? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I started out my whole career um, was all third shift. And even when I left, I was senior man um, for patrolmen and stuff like that. And I always stayed on the night shift because I had the dog. Yeah. Um, and when I started out, you started out just like everybody else, patrolman, worked my way up as, as a detective. I then was uh, reassigned to the FBI and worked for the Federal Gang Task Force. I was part of the gang unit in Saginaw. We had real, real bad gang problems in Saginaw. And we were trying to put a clamp on it. And then lo and behold, they wanted to bring back the dog program. And I was approached by a sergeant of mine and says, hey, that's something you ought to put in. Because they knew I already was training dogs on my side and, you know, doing stuff, reading them and then doing obedience classes and taking my dog there. So that'd be the perfect job for you. But I really liked the gangs and I really liked, you know, doing dogs. And I just prayed about it and God, you know, just opened. I said, well, it's in your hands, Lord. And he opened the door. And thus we, we restarted the Saginaw City Police Canine Program. It hadn't been at that time back in the, it was big, like 95. This was all going on in 94. And then 95 is when they restarted, reinstated the dog program after 20 some years. Um, and there was two dogs, there was Rookie and Mohawk. And they were brothers. So they started out with two dogs and then my dog was Rookie. And then thus started the career with, with Rookie. And then Rookie was kind of, um, like I said, there was what you call a full utility dog that meaning he did building searches area searches evidence searches um handler protection um tracking his specialty was narcotics um so that was his specialty and then we worked the streets we also developed a program because a lot of times when you're doing it those that are canine officers know you all you're always getting called to do pr work with your police department and I kind of came up with a program called Precinct 131, and it was saying no to gangs, guns, drugs, and violence. And that was going through 
uh, that because we had that real remember Darren Gray was going on during that time frame and Darren Gray was more or less for the middle school kids and the high school levels kind of going into that where there was nothing for our elementary children from kindergarten up to fourth grade fifth grade depending on what school you were at so I developed that program you know precinct 131 saying no to gangs guns drugs and violence and we went in there and we did a big huge um like kind of a production thing with the dogs I would do a demo with the dogs puppet show, um, songs, saying no to gang and stuff like that. And, but I used uh, children. I used I youth educating youth. So I had the high schoolers because they had to do those that were in high school knew you had to get your national honor society hours. So they would apply those to that to get to earn those. And they would run, come to the school with me. We'd set up the production and do that. Well, lo and behold, the, and this is kind of a really cool story here is that when we were doing puppets, I wanted something for German Shepherd. We never had anything at all the puppets, the different types of bad guy that, you know, the, just to get to the, to educate the kids, but they didn't have a German Shepherd dog. So I, um, I then went and called Puppet Productions because that's where you would order a lot of the big base puppets. And I call, make a phone call, guy answers the phone. I kind of tell him who I am and what I was doing and everything. And He's like, what do you mean by I have a German, we don't have a German Shepherd dog in there? I'm like, we don't. So he kind of pulls his catalog and he's going through it. He goes, you're right. They had bass and hounds. They had hounds. They had, you know, they name all different types of ants, whatever. They didn't have a German Shepherd dog. He, and then he goes, do you know who I am? And I'm like, no, I just called the phone and it, it's a salesperson. He goes, no, I'm the president and founder of Puppet Productions. Wow. My name's Bill Hawk. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, you ever hear McGruff? And I go, yeah. He goes, well, I created McGruff. Wow. The okay. crime, rough, McGruff the crime dog, right? Yeah, McGruff the crime fighting dog. Okay, all right. Yeah. That, 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 you know, the fight, you know, you see him, he's like, a, he's a bloodhound. Right. And uh, and there was Gilbert the puppet. You see him big, he's in the big Christian ch church for a little boy, rides a bicycle and everything. Because I created McGruff. And I'm like, no way. He goes, he says, you know, I like the concept of what you're doing. He says, I'm going to make your dog a puppet out of your dog based after your dog wow and we worked together and they made that and that went nationwide and then you see them and it says you know it's based on the looks of rookie and everything like that and it's used to this day you know in there for puppets and stuff like that it's it's, it's rook german shepherd dog did they and then so they, they, they named the dog rookie yeah rookie yeah his name they named it the rookie. That's awesome. based after rookie it looks like him everything and i should i mean and there's some photos i don't know if i had around here but if you go on there You'll see it in the archives of Saginaw News. I'm sitting there holding this puppet. <laughs> That's know, fantastic. Rookie, it looks just like them. That's yeah. fantastic. That's it's amazing. Yeah. So, so you and Rookie were, and I, I, I have uh, twice gone on ride-alongs. Um, I actually have several friends because I back the blue, and I've I've yeah. made several friends that are um, in law enforcement and had the opportunity to do two ride-alongs. And on both ride-alongs, yeah. it was in a not so good area uh, of where we live. Yeah. And, uh, the one time we did a, well, you know, I, I was just riding along, but, but my friend did a, uh, you know, had, had a suspicion of a vehicle. They pulled it over. They called out the canine unit and those dogs are amazing. Um, it is yeah. unbelievable how they can scent the, the scent. I, I don't, I don't even know what I'm talking about, but at the end of the day, it was incredible because this dog went right to the place that it needed to. It was incredible. And then they actually took me back to their facility and showed me how they train the dogs. Again, remarkable. 
How, so how did you get into the, um, like, what, were you a dog person before? I don't know how to, that's probably not even the right welcome yeah. unscripted. I, <laughs> I don't know if that's I the right way to say. I kind of raised German shepherds and Adam. Okay. And that's why that, that's why that sergeant goes, you know, they knew I had a German shepherd dogs and stuff like right. that. And I did these. And then he says, well, yeah, it's something you ought to do. And I'm like, well, you know, that's, it was kind of, it was torn because I had, I liked doing what I was doing, working with the gangs. And then going there. So it's kind of funny. You look at your career, kind of laugh because I went from, from the gangs to the dogs, you know, and everybody kind of laughs. You know, you're supposed to go up and kind of makes it the way it sounds. But right. um, <laughs> my background was, so you got it. My background right. was, um, is, was, was, I had dogs as pets and stuff and trained them and did obedience. So I kind of had the concept. I did the shits and with them and then the stuff like that, but I never did the police training. So when I went in there, they brought in people that on a board that interviewed us that so that would be non-biased. So then they came in and had all these 10 questions and then you had to answer them. And, you know, I scored out, out of that. I think we had, we had a lot of officers that put in board in the department and out of that Ruben and myself became the two top, top officers to get the dogs. So, so I'm kind of fascinated by it. So what, what is a typical day for a canine? What, what was a typical day prior to what we'll talk about in a minute? And that's nine 11, but, but prior to that, what's a typical day for, for a canine officer? For what, like my, I still, I still do what I do as a canine officer now because yeah. I have, you know, my dogs and stuff, you know, you, let's say my, my sleeping cycle was nights. So I'd work. So I, when I go home, I'd go to bed, when I get up, I'd give them their breakfast. So then they would, they would, you know, they, they would be fed. Then throughout the day, I would do whatever I needed to do with them, take them, break them, um, work on a little bit of obedience and stuff like that. Um, I have my gear, check my gear, make sure, because we had take home cars and that. So you kind of make sure your car is up and ready, vacuumed and clean for them. Check their gear, make sure their leashes aren't cracked or any damage done. Because after a while, they get worn out from getting wet and damp and stuff. Um, then I would just do my normal stuff around the house. Like you normally would the dog just, they, they stayed, our dogs stayed in the house. So you'd build that bond. Okay. Um, they didn't sleep in the bed or anything. They had their crates or they could sleep you know, on the floor, but they were, they were part of the household family so that there's, it just makes it a lot better because it's kind of like if you set the dog outside, they kind of know because they're pack orientated. They kind of feel like they're being, deso- they'll be desocialized in a way. It just depends on the programs that they're doing, but us, it worked great for, for that's how we were taught at Canine Academy to do that. And um, it was mandatory our dogs stayed in the house because that was one thing they checked, which you have problem dogs staying in the house. You know, there's certain guidelines is your yard fenced because um, your whole life turns upside down. It's right. like you brought home a newborn baby and that's right. what you are, but he can, doesn't talk, but he has, he needs the needs. You got to feed him. You got to take care of him. You got to make sure he's groomed and cleaned. And, you know, if he gets into a skunk, you know, you got to clean him and bathe him. You don't want to bring him in, bring all that garbage in there. So you're, you know, there's all your whole world just changes because now you not only are you responsible for yourself on the street and the officers, you got to take care of a, a partner, which is a dog. And so so, so the dog gonna, lives in your home. Right. That's fascinating to me. So, so yeah, unlike most of the other guys at night, when they go home and they, they say good night to their partner and go, <laughs> go home, you take your partner home with you. Yeah. It's 24 hours, right? Yeah. Wow. So 24, seven, 365, you guys are together. Yeah. So you're, wow. Yeah. The, and that's the bond that a lot of times some officers don't quite understand until you work canine 
because you're doing double the work. Not only in, in, in general, they think, where's well, it good to do this? No, you don't realize I still have to main day. I'm mandatory responsible for my calls in my sector, my area that I still have to write, along with when you call me over to assist you, I have to write another report. So we're kind of doing double the work wow. in a way. Wow. Sometimes somebody will say, oh, I got that call, let them go, or somebody else will fill on it. It depends what it is. Right. But if it's if it's a canine call, it's a serious call. They won't stack if it's a report call. They'll stack it, and when you get off done doing that, you just go back and go over to meeting a report call. If you had a, a break in entering and there was nothing there, Carla Larson, somebody broke in there, you'd stop and do a knock and talk, and then find out what's going on, take the report and ship it in. But if it's an in progress call, then the other officers will respond to that because I'm responding to a, maybe an armed robbery, and that might be a domestic. So wow. they'll send another car in place of that fascinating honestly it's it's fascinating because I, I think we see canine units we see you know in all our local neighborhoods I and mean, i don't think any of us realize how how much goes into that and that was one of the questions that i like i said i do have a few friends that send me some texts that that wanted questions so i i might circle back and we might have already covered it but i do have a couple of questions in my text but uh we'll get to that in a little bit so so 9-11 happens first of all where were you when 9-11 happened and then um so let's start there where were you when 9-11 happened when 9-11 happened, I think everybody will always remember the day of what, what happened. 100%. That day. I was actually in court. I was go, I had a court case, juvenile court case. And um, usually when they're getting their court, they're bringing the juveniles up back from holding to go through the procedures. And we did our court case and to decide what's going to, what's going to happen when they're at the hearing. And, and they decide once it's done, you know, so we're sitting back in the area and it's like the break room area and everybody's standing around by the, the break room they're looking at the tv and i have to walk up like hey what's up and they point they go check this out the plane just hit the towers i'm like what and you know that was that first plane so you're looking and our case had our the hearing had already been adjourned and so they already take so i just went back there to just fill out some stuff and then i was getting ready to take off so i'm kind of watching everything unfold on the tv up in the screen and then everybody's like holy smokes so by the time i get home i'm listening to the radio as i'm driving I'm like, wow because then by the time i get in to my house, my parents had to be staying because they just sold their house the day before up at Hubbard Lake, and they just sold it the day before to a pilot. Can you believe that? To a pilot. Wow. Um, on, on the time. would have been like like Friday, like today, and then or Friday on the 10th, and then they were staying at my house so they could get their stuff situated and move into their new home and stuff like that. And I'm like, hey, turn the TV on. They're like, well, watch. They said, I said, yeah. So we're watching everything right there. All of a sudden, the second plane slams into the towers right so now we're watching everything up for you like holy right what's going on then you see the pentagon and then everything else is starting and then the towers at 10 you just seen everything just starting to unfold yeah. Yeah. as as we're going now we knew stuff was this this wasn't good this this we knew right then and there that we were under attack right and that was the biggest fear of whatever is what's coming next right you know so now everybody's on alert Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even our emergency management was going crazy because they didn't know what to do because now everybody's fearing. So they got to start preparing and get stuff ready, start calling in people if something does happen. And because we, we didn't know how the people were going to react. Right. Right. Yeah. Nobody knew what to do. Right. I mean, we didn't know is the whole world under, is the whole United States under right. attack? You know, what's yeah. next? Who's nobody next? That... That time, was just kind of glued. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I'm looking, I had two buddies that were there that that were New York officers and stuff. And now my concern is I see and I knew they had to be there. One was a state trooper and the other was a New York officer. And um, so I'm like, oh, God, Cyro was right in the midst of that. 
he worked right down in, in, in Manhattan, lower Manhattan, where everything was. And so I'm thinking, my gosh, I know he's there. And then you see the towers come down. You're like, oh, right, you know. Right. So now you're kind of concerned about that. So the next, as everything's trying to unfold, I'm trying to get a hold of our emergency management. Then I was able to get through and get a number. And then they finally, I was able to get through. And finally, emergency management said, yeah, come on down. Here. And, and but the chance of me calling emergency management when everything is all chaotic, for the, I don't, I always say it, it was God. Right. Because there's no way that Joaquin Guerrero is going to dial emergency management for New York and a guy's going to go, hello, emergency management, you know, I'm going to help you during the time of everything is just in total chaos. So was this the day of? This was the it day was of? The next day. We're still the watching. Next day. Going. I'm trying to get numbers. Finally was able to get a number call that afternoon of the next day because I left the following. I left that evening, that next night, going in the morning and headed out driving. So, and that was a question I know somebody had for me. You volunteered. Right, right. You, you just that time I packed it up and headed that yeah. way. Yeah, they said, I told them what I had. I had canines to get them here because they knew right then and there they, they needed dogs because there's, it was, I didn't see what went on, but they were there. They knew the sheer destruction that was there. So they said, yeah, we need them because the more dogs, the better because you're going to be going 24 hours nonstop. So I contact my my department said, hey, they need dogs. They want me go. They said go. So we can't pass it up here. I got vacation time. If you have to use it, whatever. I didn't care. Um, I just packed my gear up, got everything that I needed, um, and then headed headed towards headed to New York. Wow. So and so you, drive. if I understood you right, you just you took vacation time, but you 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 basically yep. said I'm yep. going I, and I, I'm I, taking I, rookie with me. And then eventually the department. They granted it back because of what had happened. Because at the time they didn't know. Okay. And then, so what I did is I said, use my vacation time for the time frame. And then eventually what happened at, uh, later on. And that wasn't that was they did. And that wasn't a judgment on on your your uh, you know your department. It yeah. was it was I more of a question of you know you just you just went. You said I'm going, and you went. I just went. They they said go. They granted it. If it was call it you know TV time where you don't have no time or whatever. I said I don't care if I don't get paid. I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm, I, we got, we're dealing with a serious situation here. And I think that's important because at the end of the day, you know, 9-11 was the worst of us or not the worst of us. It was the, one of the worst things that's happened to our country, obviously, but it brought out the best of us because people right. like yourself said, you know what? I don't care. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if I get paid. I'm going. And, yeah. you know, not everybody could go and serve. And we'll talk a little bit about what you did when you were there. But all of us, we held a door for someone. We said we were sorry. You know, we we for a minute, the world was the United States was kinder to one another. You know, I mean, and and people were we 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 were quickly reminded what's important in life, I think, is what I take away from 9-11 is. um, And I, I still try to remember this because we quickly can move away from it and get back to our business and our own stuff. Right. But I think right when 9-11 happened, we became very aware of each other and other people. And we cared. Someone like yourself said, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to go help and I'm going to do what I can. So first of all, thank you for your service in that time, because it was a, I can't imagine what you even experienced when you got there. So let's talk about that. Like when you got there, what did you, what, what were you faced with? Yeah. Um, after like emergency management, I already told us that we would report to Giant Stadium. 
So you drive through, we get across, we get to Giant Stadium and everybody's staging there. We had to wait to get an escort across because at that time they had already gotten threats that there was a possibility that the bridges might be blown. Um, there was just so much stuff going on um, and they wanted to make sure they were escorting. I mean, you're talking security wise, are these guys legit? These, could these guys be there to set stuff up, do things? So they wanted to make sure they seen us, got our names, got all our information and they took us down. Mm-hmm. And once we went down to ground zero, um, we met at, um, there's a high school that's there. I can't think of the name. I think it's like Sylvan or Sylvan or, or something with an S. Um, that was kind of the mini incident command center there at zero. The real incident command, the main one was at an unknown location. They wouldn't give it out because of everything what had happened. And if there was a second hit, and if they knew where it was at, they were afraid they would have lost all communications of everything. Sure. sure. So when we were at the high school, we checked in. They knew we were there. We gave them all our names. Got They took information off our credentials and stuff like that. And then I went from from there to um, to that they put us down, took us down to the pile. They escorted us down. We went down to the to actual ground zero itself, the pile. So when you hear that term, the pile, is where everything was at, where it was right. the whole zero. Right. Um, so when we went down there to that point, there was another kind of half shift incident command station, staging center, they called it. And they have your, your what they would have there would be your um, battalion chiefs were there of the fire department or whoever could be there for, that would be in charge. So once we left the high school, went there, made contact, they go make contact with them. Let them know you're there. You'll check in, and then they'll give you your assignment, what you're to do at the pile. Um, so everything was still chaotic because you had Port Authority, FBI, Secret Service, military, because everybody certain had certain edge holes and I'm at Port Authority, so they were in charge of the towers. They were in charge. No FBI. Now it's a terrorist attack. Military. Oh, we're at war now. Military. So you had all these different states of heads that were there, and trying to figure out what was going to be what, what was going to do what, and and. And everything, so it's kind of still chaotic in there. Um, us as as a lot of times police officers, and even different cities in that. Um, New York, they're they have generations of law enforcement, firemen, police officers. It's kind of hard. So what you see is their great 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 grandfather was a fireman, and his father and his father up to present day, the grandson. So what we were dealing with there, and I don't think a lot of the American people can realize that or relate to it. Those that were there, just, it's normal. But those that don't, usually like in your lawn, you may have a cousin that's a police officer and nobody else, or he's the first one, and maybe his son might go into it. There, they had generations on generations. Well, what happened is, is when those towers came down, they lost the, the fathers and the sons. The grandfathers oh. were coming out of retirement to assist and set up incident commands and out there work because now you had you had boots that were the younger ones Gosh. and then the, the dads that were the so i mean that's stuff that people don't wow kind of realize because wow. like you know you know we, we do a job your dad doesn't it doesn't unless right. you're a generational farmer and that or something like that or whatever right. iron worker but in that law enforcement field you're going generation upon generation wow. so now you had grandfathers coming out standing there and doing the job because they oh knew how to, there was they lost firemen that knew how to work those pumpers and the, the, the emergency ESU units and stuff like that. So they got wiped out when the towers came down. Wow. 
So, so that's what we were dealing with there. So, oh man, I have a million questions now, but when, when you took rookie was, so my understanding rookie was trained for, you said narcotics, right? Was he also trained? Cause help me understand it, it, when you arrived, you were looking for people, you were on a recovery mission for people. Is that correct? correct. Okay. So how, correct. how was, was he ready for that or like, how did, how did that work? Well, what happens is, is you have two types of dogs. So you got like dogs that can find live people. And then you have cadaver dogs that will find deceased people. Well, deceased meaning like bone type skeleton. Those are your cadaver bodies been uh, passed away or deceased for a day, a couple days or months or whatever. You're dealing with bone fragments and that. Since it was so, so, how would you say it just happened? Mm -hmm. We still had live people. So you still had live odor. Right. So the dog oh. would still indicate on the human odor mm. of a person that could be in a cavern or buried underneath something. So it'd be no different than a guy hiding in a box or behind a door okay. or you know, okay. yeah. in the woods somewhere. So we were kind of doing an area search, kind of you would clear the area, area, I call it area evidence search area. So you're searching and the dog would indicate on the human odor. And then that's the ones we indicate on human odor, you'd bark or scratch at it, we would check that location. Cadavers would do the same thing because their their specialty is like bone teeth because they have that odor, that human odor. So as if it would be like something that could have been six months, a year, two years, dog would be able to find something like that. Our dogs might get a residual hit if it might catch a whiff of it, but they're not a cadaver dog. So so rookie was looking for survivors. Survivors and then human odor of, of body parts. Did you guys have any success? Yeah. And, and it, it was, awesome. it's hard to, when, when you deflect or try to explain to individuals, we weren't finding people like you would see like, Oh, somebody's laying there and they're deceased. We were finding parts. Oh, so we are finding hands, feet, uh, wow. portion of, you know, flesh, Oh, um, you know what so you can only imagine was a guesstimate about three thousand people that perished that were just went through yeah. a tumbler and then scattered you're talking 16 acre radius pile 40 feet tall seven stories deep wow you know and that so, pile was dangerous itself right there there oh, could yeah, have been yeah. what was every, it hot what they call them we, flashes or or yeah you would get a, a flash of what they would because see Y2K was only just a year ahead of us. So everybody had to prepare for remember Y2K, but what's right. Y2K, Y2K everybody thought everything was gonna crash and shut down. Yes, yeah, the end of the world, right? Out. So they had to prepare and they had all the diesel fuel, the gasoline, everything at those towers oh, to maintain gosh. everything because that's our, our trade market system. Everything worked out of that World Trade Centers right. because of the money exchange and all that stuff. So you can't have that go down because it's gonna shut everything down in the economy wise. So that's why they had the, that's why it burned. That's why you see the photos of the smoke bellowing. Those are of, of all the diesel fuel, the gasoline, the oil that was stored to run there. Cause they didn't know how long. So they had to have an X amount of amount. And then the vehicles that right. was underneath in the parking ramps and the subways that were down wow. underneath there. And then you had the materials from the inside the building, the clothes, the, Couches, the chairs, the 
you know, everything that was in there, that was burning too also. So you so guys were, I mean, you, oven, you could feel the heat, right? When you walk up there, it was like 85, 90 degrees, just about, just, you could feel the heat, just it wow. was hot and warm. Wow. Yeah, and it, like was da- it was it was incredibly dangerous because it was it, it was unstable. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. it was it was unstable. Wow. Right? Yeah, because anytime you walked out, that's why they had us check in. So when we would check in, we would check the dogs in. They would take their vitals and everything. They get our names. We would go out. When we come in, when we would come off the pile, they would have to check out so they knew who you were. So they so we're oh so we looks we still got a guy out. Where is he? Well, if you didn't, you didn't check out. Now everybody's looking for you. For you, because maybe you fell through, and now wow. they got to try to rescue you. So that's wow. why it was so so important that you checked in. One guy forgot one time, a guy, and he got distracted for something, and they found him, and he got his butt chewed because everybody like they stopped everything, and now they're looking for a guy, and then you know he just happened to just somebody had said something. And he walked away for a second and didn't check out. And then they did a head count. And then where is he? And he was sitting there talking to somebody and, oh, no, they heard his name. And then he's like, oh, boy. Wow. So we had that happen. One. That's amazing. I, I, and I don't so, think many of us obviously have that kind of perspective on what, what was happening there. Um, what, what day did you arrive? How, do you remember the date? It would have been the third day going into the third day that third day. So like the 14th, somewhere in there. The first day, the second day I got, I left on the second going into the third day. So we were there the third day. Were you there when President Bush was there? Yeah. Matter of fact, matter of fact, I was there to see President Bush talk. He was like probably, I say about 20 feet away from me, giving his speech on the bullhorn and that and all the stuff that was going on. Giuliani had come up to me and I didn't even know, I didn't recognize it was Giuliani. I was just sitting chill back like this and he see me sitting off the side I see this entourage of people coming. I'm just thinking, oh, I'm just thinking nothing of it. He goes, hey, son. And he looked up, and I'm like, yeah. And he says, where are you from? And I go, Michigan. He goes, Michigan. And then they're talking. And then I was like, well, God bless you for coming. And they kind of had to keep moving. And then um, Bloomberg was there, too. The, 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 whoever was uh, the mayor. And then they had the governor was there, too, also. And then Hillary was also following in, in the thing there. Wow. Then one of Bloomberg's um, aides come running back. And they got my my name and stuff like that. They ended up sending me a thank you. And then actually, when we'll get more about Rookie, they sent a, a, a letter out regarding for Rookie. Wow. Um, and we'll share a little bit more about that. Um, you know, give, uh, for an outcome more in depth than that. I want to jump ahead on stuff. Sure. No, you're so good. No, they, no. I, I, you know, there's only so much we we can know and and remember about that day and reflect. Um, but that that's. I don't, I don't know who hears this and what their political affiliation is, but at the end of the day, it was iconic and it was important. Um, when president Bush stood there and said, we heard you oh, and yeah. pretty soon the rest of the world will hear you I, as a nation. We needed to hear that. And again, I don't know who's going to hear that. Some yeah. people might've just turned off because they don't, they have a certain political, whatever at the end of the day, for me as a, as a dad, a brand new dad, my son was only one years old. Uh, when that happened, I still have this, chilling picture of him standing in front of the tv and looking back at us with these big blue eyes and um you know it was the the news was on and it was obviously on every channel it was on everything and he's looking back at us and it's almost like he's thinking like what what just happened and i just remember sitting there thinking what in the world is he going to go through like what what just happened to our nation and um at that time we needed 
a president who stood up in front of everybody and just gave us confidence. And um, I thought I was actually watching the Netflix series that's on right now that, that just came on. And um, I, I'm just reminded that I think president Bush was at the time, I, again, I'm, I'm not here to talk politics. I'm just at the time, I think he was our commander in chief and he was a leader um, in unbelievable circumstances. So uh, it's pretty neat that you got to be there for, for that iconic moment. And, and I remember when they stopped because everything just kind of stopped, stood still. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see the guys are like, come on, because they want to get back out there. So, you know, you had some that were like, we can't be doing this. We got, you know, but they didn't realize how important that was. Right. That was like, a, it was like a, 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 a cheer, a thing to give you mo- a motivational speech to go, right. guys, we're supporting you. Keep doing what you're doing. And yeah. you can tell it, see it in his face, sincerity of, of, at the time when he's given the speech and stuff. And the chief handed him the bullhorn and stuff like that. And the minute it was over, boom, we all went right back to work, man. Awesome. And, you know, I mean, you would sit back and, and when the dogs were there, you know, I remember when we'd go down there and they checked. I remember when I checked in afterwards, we'd go back down there when I first got there. And that's, that's you know, and this will make sense once I share it to you. You know, they all got that Jersey accent, that Brooklyn accent. Right. You know, what, yeah. what name? Well, they talk like that. And like, right. You know, but, they, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So they go, what's your name? I go, I go, Joaquin Guerrero. They're like, what? A what? 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 You know, and I'm, this is a batal- old battalion chief, this old guy, sure. this old guy, you know, he's the, one of the grandfathers of one of the things he kind of looked at me. He goes, where are you from? Like that. And I go, I'm from Michigan. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. He goes, well, that's your name now. We're calling you Michigan. <laughs> so that's the name. So go, New York, right? <laughs> so yeah. So that's why I said Michigan and rookie guardians. Of, that's why that you've seen. That's where the go. name Michigan rookie. So every time I'd sit back, that guy would, he never forgot me. You know what I mean, because it was all the time. And there's like, where's that guy? Because I was always sitting off the side there. And they would be yelling dog. And I'm like, holy smokes, I'm waiting. I just come off. I think I sat down for about 30 minutes yelling again. I'm like, what the heck's I get up and the guy goes, they hear Michigan like that. I come up. I'm like, yeah, I, go, I just got up with each back out there again. So I go back out there again with Brooke. And, wow. you know, same thing. So everybody goes, Hey, Michigan. And I wrote it on the back of my helmet, which I mean, you see it right here. Yeah. Oh, you see it. 
Yeah. So there it is. See on the back of the helmet there. It says <laughs> there it is. That's great. Yeah. So you have a book called Michigan and Rookie. And now, so that explains the title. Um, yeah. You mentioned it. You want to talk a little bit about, well, let me ask you one more question before we go into that. Sorry, yeah. unscripted. Um, how did you decompress after all of this? Um, it, it was kind of hard because I, there were too many people from Michigan that went there. You know what I mean? I think it was, I couldn't really talk to nobody. And so you kind of just kind of kept it in, you know, you kind of share some stuff, but you know, they wouldn't relate. And I didn't want to make it like people want to pick your brains and say, what do you got? And, and this and that say, Oh, I talked to this guy and I didn't want to be this guinea pig because, you know, they were wondering what was going on with these guys that had seen that. So it wasn't until I would run into go some training. And then, cause I, after I got, did that, I, my background kind of went into, I did a lot of the, the um, terrorist training afterwards, weapons of mass destruction, explosives. I got a bomb dog, started working. That was my way of working and doing what I needed to do and got certified and trained in those areas to do that stuff. So, um, you know, I went to Arizona, they were in New Mexico where they had all the places where we do explosions and terrorist stuff. And so we knew what to do and how to investigate the cases and stuff. So I educated myself because I was right there and could relate right what went on. And, you know, so when I would go there or somebody would see I was there, it was, oh, wow, we start talking because they didn't have nobody to talk to. Mm -hmm. And then it was like you saying like a little canary, like a bunch of people talking. <laughs> right. oh, you remember this? Oh, yeah, I remember that, you know. So that yeah. was my way of kind of decompressing. I would kind of share and share stuff. But a lot of stuff you don't get to really share because people couldn't relate. Right. to some of the stuff that because they weren't there yeah and it's kind of like i would say you knew the ones that were there because you had that stare it's mm -hmm. like the guys from nam they had that thousand yard stare and you learned fast and i remember when we got there and i was talking to this one guy and we're sitting off to the side and he throws me the sharpie and i'm like what what do you need me to sign he goes you write your social security on your body, bud. On your what? what? On your body. Oh, my so gosh. So we wrote our social security on our arms, our legs, our thighs, all different parts. He goes, something happens to you here, man. He says, I'm not trying to scare you. They probably ain't going to find you because if something falls on you, it's going to tear you up. Oh so now goodness. we know who you are. Wow. So sure enough, we wrote your social security on your leg on your arm you had something to identify in your chest so you had different multiple limbs that you had and something happened so you know you'd see it guys would do that wow. because we were we didn't know we're walking into yeah that place could and then we could have gotten attacked again too we didn't know something blew up because you remember you got the gas and right well, that was why we do something like that well really think about it they don't know who i am i'm from michigan Right. You know what I mean, right. my wallet gets blown away, and I'm gone. At least they find an arm. They're like, "Well, who's this number?" And it's got the my zip, my uh, social security number. They look it up. Oh, that's oh, that's off. That's Officer Guerrero. He's from Michigan. Okay, we got something to identify him. Wow. So you that, learn fast. I mean, that's it why it's like, so. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I said you learn fast to live. Yeah. And I remember sitting there. I mean, it was like. And it did. It took me right to now. I know what those guys in Vietnam went to. Anybody right. who goes in battle, when you first go in there, you learn right away. Don't do this, do this. You need this. You don't need that. Same thing. Don't bring that. Don't. I mean, I went in there, just me, the dog, and the harness. 
and a water bottle. You know, you really couldn't drink anything because you're breaking in the carcinogens, but you know, your mask and that was it. You had your pack, whatever you'd taken and left it off to the side there. You'd come back and be gone. Where'd it go? You know, because they moved every time stuff was being moved and they would say, well, it's down over there another 30, 40 yards over that way. Just go, they'll be, you'll see it. It's off to the side there. Wow. So you go over there and get it. So you, there was just little things. Another thing you would come in and where we're from, we don't have tall buildings. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, I think our highest is the second national bank. It's about 70, let's say about 70 feet up or more, you know, it could be that, you know, it's, they're just not big buildings like you see skyscrapers. Yeah. So I remember you're sitting there and you learn fast and you're watching. And I remember some kid come up and he's leaning up against the building like this. He's kind of just sitting there. And Newt just kind of, you could tell he just got in, he's fresh and everything. And I tap him, I go, what? And I, he goes, looks at me, he goes, what? And I, I said, I pointed up like that. And he goes, what? I go, you don't want to stand there. He's like, that, that glass breaks. I'll cut you in half, dude. Oh, my goodness. Get away from it. So where you sit, you always look where you're at. Because anything could fall and cut you in half or kill you or crush you. Because everything is so unstable. So wow. you were always constantly... I mean, that was, you were in 100% survival. Wow. 360, your head was spinning just like a, a top. And that's why I think it's so important that not only for the victims, not only for the those that uh, served and our, our first responders, not only for the families, man, there are people that came and like yourself who dropped everything they had, dropped everything they did and went and served in, in, on, unknown conditions completely like what you're telling me right now is something none of us ever consider we just all talk about well never forget man that's why we never need to forget because that was massive and there's a lot of people that served in unbelievable conditions i mean what you're telling me right now is like blowing my mind i'm i i never knew you know you see the pile and you you whatever and we heard you know president bush on the bullhorn and you know but but man we didn't I don't know unless you were like yourself, boots on the ground there doing the service every single day. I don't know that a lot of us can get our head around what you were actually going through and what we had to go through to, to get the place back to where we are today. And thank God we're there. But um, man, that's my mind is blown. So let's let's get to, to rookie because you, you wrote the book. Uh, so and I don't know if those two go together. Or how, let's let's talk about rookie. And, and maybe that ties into the book itself. Um, working was a workhorse when we were there. We were probably putting in 12 to 14 hours a day, give or take a few. Sometimes it can be a little bit longer, 16. It just depends on what the day was and what we were doing. Um, and then a lot of times we would rest. They said, well, where'd you sleep? Sometimes we slept right there on the streets. That's why you see a lot of photographs. The guys chilled back and the dogs are laying next to them and the guys are curled up and, and stuff. And you would eat that they would bring, I mean, at, a lot of those and a lot of the restaurant businesses went under because they gave all what they had to feed the first responders. Um, and, you know, we got fed very good food because, I mean, they, what it was going to spoil anyhow. So they're making it. What right. people don't realize, there was no power, no nothing there for several days. Wow. So everything was running on generators. Fires were still burning because the hose lines and everything was broken. They couldn't get that. Fire trucks are totally demolished. There's a photo that you see that they got all those fire trucks all lined up that are off front from when the towers came down. So they had no fire trucks. They they have five girls there in New York. They have ESU units. Those are like kind of SWAT emergency guys that can 
do building stuff like that. Four of them were, they said three of them were uh, damaged to unrecognizable. One was average, but they only had one good one. So they were down on that stuff. I mean, and then they had the bodies that the people that worked those that weren't there. They had to call people in from the academy to kind of come in there and do that to help assist because they didn't have enough boots to work that because everything was just, they had to protect this, do this, cover this. They still had the vaults down there at World Trade Center with the gold and silver and everything. So you had to protect and guard that and get to that. So that one gets stolen. Oh my God. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that, that you don't even know behind the right. scenes. That right. So with Brooke, that being with Brooke, he would go in, go out, um, you know, when we first got there, there's another little story. We got there, you know, the dogs had to have their protective pads on their feet, their booties. I left my booties at, at home. I remember I, as I get there, I'm like, oh man, they're sitting right on my counter. I remember I forgot, I pulled, I very grabbed these and I walked out and I left and they grabbed them. So when I got down to ground zero, um, the dogs are always checked in at a mass unit. It's a mobile medical hospital and they take their vitals and they look at them, they do all that stuff. And then I, and I'm like, if you guys wouldn't have to have any booties, which in they're like, booties, we talking about? It says feet protection, like shoes, boots for the dogs. They're like, no. And I'm like, okay, this might sound silly now, you know, because I'm talking to some female uh, veterinarians and vet techs. I says, you guys wouldn't have to have Cotex pad, we'll shut. And they go, what? I go, Cotex pad. And they're like, you mean a, like, Co- a cotex, cotex, and I go, yeah. <laughs> right. Go, Why? Right. I go, I need that. I'm going to make a booty out of it. I can put it at the bottom of my dog's foot. I need your vet wrap right there. So then we put the cotex pad on the bottom and we wrap the foot, the foot in the in that vet wrap or that you know that Klingon type stuff that you see made right. out of stretchy right. rubber and that right. went on there. Well, then they go, well, they're like, God, that worked pretty good. I said, well, what I need now is you need to put a booty call out. <laughs> For us to get some booties for the dogs, so thus the booty call kind of went out, and Completely then you start seeing float in. You know, it's kind of hilarious. But then you'd see it. Remember on TV? Remember the the news article that's like, hey, the any of you guys there? They need booties down there, and then they look the booty call. You got to clarify. You got to clarify. That would have been a whole nother. Anyway, that's a different show. Yeah. <laughs> So, but you know, it's kind of like, you got to laugh at some stuff. Those that's right. That's right. I, and I hate to laugh you know, on a, on a somber thing, but it, yeah. You know, and, and, and so, you know, Rook was there and he did those times and stuff and, he, and they loved him. He did also dog therapy work down there. And yes. that was kind of cool because he was a therapy dog also. I trained him to do therapy work. So he was down there and you would see the firemen and the police officers just get down like at his level and lay there and they would sit there and just talk to him. And like, dude, when you go out there, this guy, can you find my brother? And that's what was heart-wrenching because you got to find my dad or you got to find my mom or whatever. Yeah. And they'd have these personal little talks and the dog would just lay on their lap and they're just talking to him. And this is what he looks like. And this is what he's, you know, and he, and yeah, he kind of stunk. They would just open up to him. It was their way of, it was their, it was that was, and they were venting mm-hmm. and they were crying. They were desperate. Yeah, because they didn't know. They, they knew that we, they, that dog had a tool that we as humans, that no machine or anything gets to do, and it was his nose, the olfactor of that right. dog. Right. So, well, you know, and you see, there's photos in the book I took of some people their feet giving them water, and then fireman's laying down there with them, he's consulting with them and talking to the dog. 
and that, and it's, it's just really heart touching to see that and, and that the dogs were there. And, and even when we were still resting, we were doing work that way too, therapy work. So, wow. And you were there for seven days, correct? Did I, did I read that somewhere? Right. Yeah. In between there working. And then I had the days of travel and then I had a rest day. That rest day was a tough day because my, my buddy, I found my buddy. I was able to make contact with them. And then actually I was able to stay a night at his place, nice. a couple of nights there. And I go back and forth, take the subway. And then I'd stay down there and go back and forth. And he's the one he goes, dude, you got, he knew it already because he was still working the outskirts and that. And every now and then he'd stop in and he'd go down with me and that. And uh, he goes, dude, you got to get out of there, man. He goes, you look, you can just see it. I had that thousand yard stare. He was, he'd go like this. And I'd be sitting there at dinner and he's like, hey, get back here, man. You're, yeah. you're at zero. You need to come back here. I'm like, I got to get back. He goes, no, you need, you need to chill, man. You're going right. to fry your brain. Right. And that was more or less what. So I had that one day. He goes, no, you're, we're going. So he took me out kind of to see New York a little bit. And it was hard because you knew your heart was there. Still there. I had a right. tool yeah. that, was, that they needed for closure for, yeah. for those families and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Wow. And that bucket brigade was something else, man. I'll tell you what, that bucket brigade was our dog. You know, I don't know if you heard about the bucket brigade. Sure. Was, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like you remember seeing that pile and you're like, they're never going to get that cleared out. That's going to take forever. And here we are like, you know, that had that, that was one bucket at a time. It was a lot of volunteer, as you said, you know, people like yourself dropped everything. That's what I meant when I said earlier, we, it it was the the best of us as a nation afterwards. Um, Everybody just had that, that volunteer and that servant attitude to just go. And it was almost like they just followed a signal, uh, followed a followed a calling, and grabbed a bucket and did whatever they could. It, yeah. You know, as tragic as it was, I I wish at times I don't ever want September 11th again, but I would wish as a nation that someday we could be who we were on the 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th. Right? I mean that that week afterwards, because we all realized what was what was most important. And again, I don't ever want that for our country. So hopefully that's not coming across that way. But um, what, I, what I would want is, is us to, to, to hit pause again without a tragedy and be who we were in those following days, much like yourself, someone that just said, I'm going to go and I'm going to go serve. And um, wow, I, I have still a million questions. But so the book, let's talk about the book, because you do have a book. And, uh, and, yes. and, you know, so let's talk about the book. What's the book about? Is it a lot of what we've covered? Or what is it? Yeah, it, it, there's, it's actually kind of I when I wrote that book, I wanted people to know what police, police officers and police canine handlers go through. So it's kind of my biography and my life story growing up. And we kind of started we could have went we kind of started like when I got the dog or kind of went back into my little bit of my childhood, a little bit of history, what I did. My mom and dad bounced back forward. And the dog is actually telling the story. So it's third person. You'll see. Oh, that's very cool. I'm talking to the dogs telling the story, but that's I'm talking great. to the dogs telling his side of the view. No, that's and, great. Um, so it kind of goes in there as to when I meet rookie for the first time and how I go from there. And just as it keeps going on down the line to throughout our career and what we encountered, as partners and in training, building that bond together, um, silly moments, um, moments at home, you know, on the streets, um, stuff that we did with kids, my career, and then 9-11, then what happened afterwards, and it tells what happened to Rookie and what he went through. 
and then up to what as until I left when I left the department. And we've so talked, we talked it, a little bit beforehand in our in our very short pregame, because I don't ever want anybody to think that this is not unscripted because it is unscripted. But we did have a quick question. And my one of my questions for you was rookie and, and, and rookie has passed. But um, but you you have now yes. you've got you've got another partner or two. How many how many partners do you have now? Yeah. <laughs> well, after when rookie, <laughs> this is kind of because people it was kind of strange because a lot of people and, and I did this and I had to because I knew what was coming along because rookie had touched so many students, young young kids. I mean, in in there and this happened when after nine eleven happened and we had a lot of damage control to go. There were a lot of kids that go that were afraid, and my job was I you know I talked to you because. I go, I got to get in those schools. Yeah. I got to let those kids, those children know that Rook, because they knew he was there, that he could, he's here to protect them. And it's not, stuff's not bad. It's going to happen. So we went and hit our, our county at 77 elementary schools. Wow. So I had to do, and I worked third shift, eight o'clock at night till four in the morning. I had to get up early in the morning and I hit every single one of those schools until they were completed. And then let wow. them know kind of sharing about 9-11, that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And then when Rookie got sick, um, that was a, you know, he ended up getting cancer because when... Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this... <sighs> Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. And I talk more about it and they get really in-depth in it in the book there. But when Rookie, what they did is after we come back, you're saying, well, how did you debrief whatever they did? Well, they set up a, um, a five-year study on the handlers. They wanted to find out how this was going to affect the handlers because we were the ones that were locating the bodies and finding yeah. along because we had to go into these places where a lot of people, there wasn't a place in New York that was, we had IDs, you had to have special IDs and everything to get to where you needed to go. And that was the only way you're getting in and that card was getting you into wherever it was. And so we could go anywhere. So when we would go around there and search and check. So we were in spots and places and that and we were finding, you know, like I said, remains. Cause after a while, and I know you probably remember this, it rained probably was like the fourth day afterwards. We had that rainfall and yeah. I was like, yeah, the chair and on. I'm like, no, yeah, right. you don't understand. You got people to stay. You got yeah. holes that are there with paper, with mm. pulverized concrete and you mix that together. You got, and it hardens cause it was hot. And yes. trying to make paper, paper mache. So you're walking, you'll go right through a hole, not knowing because it was a false floor. Wow. So that was not good in, in the aspect. So there's another one of those things that you had to worry about that some people didn't even, they were probably over there. Rain never thought, oh, I never really looked at it like that. Right. You know? So when they got back, they wanted to do a study on us. So Pennsylvania University set up the study on the handlers. So they had us do, um, swabs in our mouths so to do dna to see what our, our dna was going to be like if it was going to fluctuate and see if it changed in any way and then they had us do these questions every so we did it for a five-year study it was a controlled study and then they would get their outcome of what was going to happen with the with the doc with the handlers and and how they reacted after all this and they always did it on the anniversary of, of 9-11 for five years so during that 
we were into the second year going into that, I think it was, um, Ines wanted to do another study on the dog, same thing, a five-year study. So they wanted to do it on the nasal cavity of the dogs to see how it would affect the dogs. And so thus then they're, they're like, okay, so they had to get a hold of us. We did it. So it was all at the same time they were doing all this, these studies. So in order for us to, before they would give Ines our information, they had to check with us and would you like to participate? Cause it's private. You're, you know, you're dealing in like a medical. So it's just get the laws and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had no problem. So a lot of majority of the guys did the ones that they could track down that they had good contact with. And um, so they got us, we were in that, they came in and then they contacted me. Well, in that time frame, this was like around Thanksgiving, my dog developed an abscess too. Mm. So this was just, that was like around Thanksgiving, just after Thanksgiving around that time. They call me like around end of Thanksgiving, going into December saying, hey, um, would you be willing to do a um, do this test? And I'm like, yeah, I go, well, my dog's got an abscess too. Like, I ah, don't worry about it. We're dealing in the nasal cam. So that's just, it's the two. We're looking at the nasal cam. So I'm like, oh, okay. So they had all our health records and stuff for a veterinarian. So they, you know, they'd see the dog's bill of health and everything. They knew what it was. So they shipped us to tell us where we had to go, flew us to where we needed to go to go get our the MRIs done and stuff like that. And so we got back and they says, don't worry if you don't hear from us, because it was during Christmas time. He says, once we get through the holidays, because it's a controlled study, one radiologist, one veterinarian, that's going to read everything. And then they come out with what the output is and they could study it for those X amount of time. So after the first year, they would see what was going on when they did it. Well, after the first year going into that January after 9-11 going in there, they, they contacted us and my vet calls me and goes, um, he says, uh, what's up? What's going on? Walking? How are you at? I'm like, good. I go, hey, um, how's we getting ready to pull that tooth? He says, well, are you, where are you at? I go, I'm at home. He says, uh, would you, he says, um, I got some news for you. And I'm like, well, what is it? He goes, you know that study that they're doing with IMS? He says, they contacted me. He says, Joaquin, he says, we're not dealing with an abscess tooth. Mm. He says, your dog's got a tumor the size of a lemon. Oh, man. The size of what? I go, you didn't, he goes, I don't know how. He says, this is crazy because we did x-rays and there was nothing there. And that was only three weeks ago. This MRI was done, like I said, over three weeks ago. And now that thing's the size of a lemon. They're saying it's aggressive. Yeah. And this thing is growing and it's, it bell, now bells and whistles went off. I'm like, well, how long is it only there? They said, we don't know. Joaquin, we don't know. Wow. He says, this is, it was serious because now you've got to, controlled we're already in a one study and now we're already into that going into that study that half of that year when they brought when the Ines wanted to start it up and then he develops that and it was like i think it was 2002 or three i can't remember my dates it's just been you know it's 20 years sure, so you're sure. To really it in the book and stuff um but they they said but Ines wants to save that dog they want to save brooks life they know this is going to need some surgery in that and they want to save it because now they can prove whatever their study is that you got a 9-11 dog here. If it's in the dog, there's going to be more dogs showing this. Yes. Could it be people? Right. That was the big right. thing. Is it people? Is it affecting the people? Because, see, the animals don't live as long as we do. So they would, I'm assuming people would assume the dogs would already be dead before anything would show up in the dogs. So that's where the catch is at. Plus, I had another guy, two dogs down there. So. I had the sister and the brother. The sister never was in, in blood sister. They were, they were the same, you know, mom, dad. 
just mm-hmm. a year apart, but the same right. parent. So right. that, that one didn't have it, and this one had it. So there was no way, well, this, there's no, no, I got the sister. She yeah. was there too, Ellen. So there's no way. Um, so, so so you don't think it was, if I understand you right, you, you don't think it was related to yeah, it wasn't like a genetic thing that was there because I they I contacted my breeder broker that dealt with he's like, no, I can, we've never had any issues. We'll pull all our records, show you we got everything. Because these dogs are all, you know, they're pedigree line. They can't, you know, they're so they had that. And that was the big thing. And after a while, you know, you're looking at something that just in a matter of weeks, how's right. an abscess to turn into a grow? I mean, I'm telling you, it was a lemon, the size wow. of a good medium sized lemon right in that mandible area. So you do believe it was related to ground yeah, zero? Yeah. yeah because what, I had and, bodies I, that. and let me ask you this, if, if you, you don't know. mind. And, and I, I, there's a rule I have on the script that if you ever want to just say pass, you can say pass it. How are you? Uh, were you affected physically at all by ground zero? And I'm not trying to open up some big thing. I, I'm just curious. Are you, are you good? Or did you feel effects as well? When I got back, um, and, and, you know, I'm an avid runner. I would run and love running and stuff like that. I couldn't run no more. My lungs were shot because wow. of all the junk that we did then. Um, and I would, I would blow my nose and blood would come out because Man. of the glass and irritation. You're talking asbestos, crushed concrete, glass. Wow. God only knows what's in there, the carcinogens and everything. Right. And it took about a year, a little over a year for me to even get back to even, I mean, and what I, how I how people could relate is somebody that had gotten COVID and what they feel like and what their body felt like, that's the exact same symptoms I had when I got Wow. It the exact identical symptoms. But you're doing the well breathing, now. Breathing, really. Yeah. So, you're doing well now. you know, and yeah, and you know, yeah, you're, yeah, I'm doing well now. Good. You know? okay. I, I praise God because like I said, I, I look at, I could be dead. I'm a walking miracle stand. I lost my partner to right. that garbage that was bent down. Yes. And, and, no, and I know John Stewart, I'm, 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 I mean, I love what John Stewart has done for those, you know, for, for the firefighters that were there and their families mm-hmm. and those that worked the pile, as you said, um, I, I, I appreciate so much how hard he's worked and pushed for benefits and other things for the people that sacrificed so much for that. So, man, I've taken a ton of your time. Like well, this has been really, um, I, I wanted us to reflect on September 11th because I don't want us ever to forget. Um, you know what I mean? And I, I think, uh, I hope anyone that's listening to this um, has had a chance to see that it's, it wasn't just us watching on TV, you know, and our lives got a little disrupted and maybe we got stuck somewhere and we couldn't get home, you know, and I don't mean to diminish that. I don't mean to, I don't, I don't in any way want to make light of that. But at the same time, like I always say, you got to take your so-called problems and put them in quotations because at the end of the day, you left everything and went and, and in, in many ways served our country um, at 9-11 you, at the ground zero at the pile. You served our country. You served our nation. Uh, you and rookie, um, you sacrificed for us. And I, I don't ever want to forget that as a nation because yes, it is heartbreaking and we lost so many people, but there's a lot of people that also went and served and I don't ever want to forget that. So thank you. This is what I'm trying to say. Thank you for your service. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, it's like I said, I, I'm not the hero. Those that ran into those buildings and, you know, they, they gave the supreme sacrifice so we could have, we have, that's freedom. And we did, we take an oath as, as police officers do. 
same constitution the military does. We're just the civilian version of the military. And I knew I had a job, Rookie had a job. And, you know, he says, well, if you knew what you knew now, would you do it? I'm like, doggone right, I would. And I'd be right there first standing in line, let's go. And, you know, that Amazing. dog, he, he, he did. He touched a lot of lives, not only just with children, but he provided closure. Yes, we will, you know, and I did. I caught a little bit of, caught a little bit of hell because when I got back, because they're like, because when they found after Rookie died, well, if we wouldn't have never done, I got the keyboard warriors that would send me messages sure. after right. Rookie had passed. Right. Of the, I love animals and how dare you not supposed to do that. And, and, you know, I really took a beating over that, but I don't care what it is. Rook, that's the way Rook would want it because he did not want to leave that pile. We kept going. I mean, you look at the photographs and you look at that big photograph you see behind me um, that you see standing back there. That's to honor all the search dogs. You know, Rookie was that poster dog. Now when you see search dogs and they go out to be deployed, they're all checked. Every dog's checked before and checked after when they come back from these big disasters so they don't have something happen to them. So he kind of, Iams really set that page with that dog. It was like kind of like the poster child for it. And, you know, that, and the viewers that are going to be see there, nobody's ever seen that photograph. Hmm. That's the first time in 20 years that I've really kind of posted it. It's in the book when I yeah. posted the book. But I mean, a lot of people really don't know about it. And it depicts the whole story of everything that you see there the ghost towers, where they're standing, to where he's coming up from the pile to the firemen. You can see where they, they're down there doing the water for them with the dogs and that, where they're talking to us, the therapy work. Me standing next to that, that pile right there where. Um, the guy snapped a picture and actually sent it to me to the firemen that are checking the trucks that are all damaged that were left there. Those are all actual photographs that I had taken that were there at that at that moment of when, when I was at Ground Zero to honor the the fallen, you know, how would you say our our, our brothers and sisters and in, in police, fire and EMS and that that perished that were there. And you know, it's it it, it is just I look at it, it was that I was had an honor. I didn't go down there for myself. I went down there for you and everybody else that couldn't be there. I stood in that gap for you guys. Yeah. Because it, I knew you couldn't make it because you got families in that. But when I went down there, they said, well, what, why, why would you? Because they said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Michigan. Michigan, what the heck would you? I said, because I knew if it would have happened where we were at, you'd be here too. 100%. I'm here representing those that can't be here. That's why I'm here when I when I would speak to them and tell them, I said, there's people that are there crying at home, trying to figure out what they can do. I'm here representing them in the flesh and they're being their representative. I stood in the gap for them yes. because they're praying right now for you. And that's that's what Rook and I did. Yes. And so there's a few things I want to do. One, thank you, because I'm honored that, that you would share that picture. Uh, with my audience. And, and again, most people are going to hear this on audio, but what I promise that you, I will do, if you're listening to this is um, I will create a very, a, a short clip at a minimum. Uh, and just to show the picture, because I'm honored that you would share that with us because rookie served this country, rookie mm -hmm. served this nation and sacrificed himself for this nation after 9-11. And I don't know that there's any other way I can put that. And I hope that's okay and respectful for you yes. for me to say that yes. on your behalf. Yes. Rookie served our country. And because you know, look, at the end of the day, that 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 is important. And we can never ever forget 9-11 and those that made the sacrifices, even someone like Rookie, who went and sacrificed and gave, and someone like yourself who took Rookie there. And so the keyboard warriors. 
I won't even say what I'm thinking right now because it's not nice, even though it's unscripted. I'm not going to say it. But what I will say is you served your country and it's a lot easier to sit behind a keyboard and, and type things like tweets um, when you've never served and you don't have the, the compassion and heart. Now I'm getting mad. I'm an angry American, I guess. But at the end of the day, man, um, it's really easy to send off a tweet when you've never put on the boots and given and sacrificed. And look, I never served this country in, in the military, but I have so much respect for those that have, and I'm thankful for that. And I honor that. And so um, thank you. Thank you for, for, you know, the interview, but man, most of all, thank you for this, the sacrifice that you and rookie went through. And I, I'm glad you're doing well physically. Um, and I'm, I'm heartbroken that he set, had to sacrifice, but you know, man, that's what, that's, that's it. It's sacrifice. It's, it's heart, you know, just um, not thinking of yourself. It's putting others above yourself. And as you said, standing in the gap. So um, I'm just so honored you were on today. So before I get off of here and I want to make sure we cover it, the book, where can I get the book? Amazon, correct? Where else can yeah, I get the book? Some, some are, there's on Amazon. It's like a book company. They can even order through them. Um, if you search and then it's also an ebook, you can go in there. So there's two ways if people want to get the ebook. Um, it's what is it, the Nook or whatever, how they got the different names from. You can look it up and, and get it loaded, downloaded that way also and buy it that way. Um, if I'm at books, I know I'm not sure. I'm in Michigan, so a lot of times I'll do book sales. But um, I, I can get you the information, and then they can just, like, order it and then go through their – if they go through their book companies, they'll be able to track it down awesome. to be able to um, get the – so they can find the book if they want to buy it and get it. And I'll have the look, I'll have the link in this post uh, to this podcast. So anybody listening to this podcast, just go check out the narrative and it'll be a link in there. Cause I want to make sure that we support you and, and the book and, uh, and rookie. I mean, again, you guys made a sacrifice and the book is called Mid Michigan and rookie, right? Michigan and rookie guardians of the night, Michigan and rookie guardians of the night. And I do know I, I found it on Amazon. Uh, so that's Michigan and rookie guardians of the night go amazon that right now if you're listening and go go get the book uh support support him and and uh and everything that he's done and just coming on the show man thank you so much i think i might have lost your audio are you still there i'm still here can you hear me <laughs> the the audio went really bad for a second so i'm not i think i think you're still there but um can you hear me now uh, there you go. That's a little better. That's a little better. So, man, I just want to thank you. Um, thank you for coming on. I know you've been very busy. I know you're, you're uh, very much in demand right now to come and tell your story. And I'm so honored. Uh, I'm thankful for our friend, Kurt, that connected us. But I'm so yes. honored that you would come on and just um, and share and reflect on something that, look, at the end of the day, it's not easy. I mean, it's it, like you said, it's that can't be easy to go back and revisit those times and those thoughts. But um I think it's important for us and I'm so thankful and honored that you would share with us. Well, great. Anytime you need me or whatever, don't be feel free. You know, I mean, I got the other dogs are up and doing stuff. Little chief, like I said, he's, he's up and running doing movies now. There <laughs> now you we go. got into that. That's another story. So, there you go. Well, yeah. my friend, um, I'll be, I'll be thinking and praying of you. Um, this is going to go up tomorrow, which is the 10th. I'll be thinking okay. of you on Saturday because, you know, I, and, yeah. and, you know, and, and in the days that follow, um, and I'm just so appreciative of you and your time and, and, um, uh, everybody listening, go get the book 
and um, you know, let's honor uh, Joaquin and, and, and Rookie um, the best we can. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Unscripted Podcast with your host, Aaron Conrad, from his studio at the Junction in Old Hilliard. Make sure to like, share, follow, and review on your favorite podcast platforms. Also, make sure to check out my song, Great and Mighty One, on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your music. We'll see you next time on Unscripted with Aaron Conrad. Oh, 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 o